0: Relationships can be a little complicated, right? Y'all may have seen that before, and uh, you know we there's there's some obvious problems, and uh, sometimes we don't want to deal with them. And so today we're kicking off a new series called uh, What Happy Couples Know, and it's a relationship series. And all of us, you know, need to be uh, intentional about our relationships I and mean, working on relationships every day. We need to, you know, ask God, you know, God help me to work at having. The best kind of relationships possible. And so, if you've got your outlines, take them out. We'll kind of follow along. And uh, there's a statement. This is actually from our Margins uh, message series we just ended up. But there's a statement from that, I think, that we need to carry over to this. It says, you'll wake up one day and realize you missed the most important. And the most important is relationships. You know, we talked about giving up what is good for what is best throughout that series. And what we'll do is sometimes we'll, we'll end up getting to a point in life and we'll realize, you know what, man, I, w- I had my ladder on the wrong wall. I was working towards the wrong goals, and, and and I've missed. You know that it was about relationships. It was about making memories. It was about loving, serving, honoring. You know, it was about those things, not about accolades, not about pieces of paper, not about how much money I make, not about retirement. And we'll realize, you know what, man, I was I was wrong, and we'll we'll have missed the best. I had an opportunity yesterday sharing with some folks, and and they were asking, hey, how do you know? How to make the most of your time. And I, I share with them the very thing I just covered in margins is you ask the, you know, ask God, God, what is the wise thing to do with my time? And, and so one of the wise things we can do is invest in relationships. Everybody in this room, you know, has relationships. We, we, we work at relationships. And, and some of you in this room, you're probably saying, Mike, I am terrible at relationships. The reason I'm just going to stay by myself, I could go live on a, an island by myself. It would probably be the best thing. Here's the thing is you're probably just broken. You need some work. You need some help. You need a God to change your heart. You need God to change your mind. And here's the thing is we all need that. We need God to change the way that we think. We need God God to change how we handle relationships. And so the most important thing that we could be about is really relationships. God demonstrated that. God demonstrated His great love for us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ came to this world and died for us. So that we might be able to be in a right relationship with God. So God said it's all about relationships. A relationship with Him and a relationship with others. You know, it's, it's serving God, it's honoring God, then serving those around us, honoring them. And, and so, relationships are critical. And here's the thing about relationships, they are never urgent. You remember we covered that? We we always think, well, you know, these are the people that in my life, I am married to them, they'll be here forever. You know, and, and so we just kind of have that mentality, and so they always seem to kind of get compressed it's always like you know relationships are not the most important thing and here's the thing the relationships that will be there in the in the in the end our family are the ones that we tend to compress the most we will bump our family for anybody else and everybody else sometimes and so our relationships never really seem that urgent we don't invest in them we don't do what we ought to do we just think you know they're here they'll always be here and we find out more and more every year that's not always true and so relationships are one of the things that are key, that are, that are vital to life, but they're not always urgent when it comes to our time. We think, well, I'll, I'll deal. we'll work so hard to build up a retirement so that we can spend it with our spouse, and then when we get too close to the retirement, they've checked out, they're done. And so we have to be careful that we don't compress those relationships and put everything else first. Here's another statement that says, they're most easily damaged by busyness. We're too busy for our, our wife. We're too busy for our husband. We're, we're too busy for our kids. We're too busy for our fiancé. We're too busy doing things that we think are important. And sometimes things that are good. Remember Mary and Martha? Martha was doing good things, but Mary chose what was best to sit at the feet of Christ. And so we're too busy. We're busy, busy, busy. We're always trying to... And here we, th- we think, well, it's good things. You know, I'm on the, you, know what, you know, I'm on the council or the PTA for my kids, but we don't ever spend time with our kids. I'm doing this, I'm doing that for my kids, but we're never spending time with just them. I was just talking with a guy a few minutes ago, and we were talking about, you know, all the garbage that is on TV, and, you know, I said, you know, Laura and I just talked about, you know, getting rid of cable, and so we were just kind of going with Roco-type stuff or just Internet-type stuff. But you know what? The garbage is still there. And as a part of me, I just want to go, you know what? Hey, let's go totally no technology at our house. At least we will have a reprieve from the onslaught of the garbage that comes into our homes. You know, and, and and I know, you know, you might say, well, you, you can't run from the world. I get that. But there's that part of you, hey, man, you need a refuge. You need to be able to get away from the onslaught that seems to be there. And many of us, man, we just we just eat it up. And, and we wonder why our kids are struggling with things because we pay for this junk to come into the house. And so we have to be careful that our busyness, you know, does not rob our relationships. And so here's, here's a statement that says, oftentimes we don't want to talk about our relationships. We don't want to talk about it. You know, and maybe... You're in a relationship right now. Maybe your marriage is this way. There's one of you that you'll come up and you'll say, "Hey, listen, I think we need to talk about us." And the other one's like, "Oh Lord, here we go again. Man, I don't, I don't want to have to do this because it always ends in an argument. It always ends in a fight. You know, or either you make me feel like I'm the bad person, or I'm the wrong person, or I'm whatever. And so I don't want to talk about it. You know, and, and some of you maybe that's how you handle relationships. Say, like, "Hey, I'll just run away. I'll just flee." I, I'll just kind of go busy myself. I'll go get busy doing something else, and I will not work on my relationship. And that's, that's pretty common. And a lot of times in a relationship with two people, one wants to talk about it, the other one doesn't. Sound like you? And so here's the thing is we have to be willing to say, you know what, maybe, maybe we need to talk about it. God talks about relationships. God talks about love. God talks about dying to self. God talks about these things, and it's important that we talk about them. And so look at what it says here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's called the love chapter. If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels but do not, didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but, but rejoices when the truth wins out. And love never gives up. Love it never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. And so many of us in this room we would say, you know, well I love my spouse. But see, God gives us a pretty good definition of what love is. And what we do is we overuse the word love. We we say, Man, I love a good hamburger. Don't you, man, I love a good hamburger. I love ice cream. You know, I love I love I love nachos or I love hot wings or I love that car or I love that house or I love that picture or I love that show or that movie and we we use that word so much that it kind of loses value but but God gives us a definition here and he says, hey, let me tell you what love is you know love is something miraculous love is something special love, love is something powerful and when you say that you love your wife or you love your husband or you love your fiance, what you're saying is hey you know what there's action involved there's a change that takes place there's something miraculous that begins to we begin to experience as a couple or as a relationship here And, and so when we we look at that we go you know is is that what i have do i have love is that what i give is that what i live out is that what i offer to my spouse's love statement here it says we all have hopes dreams and desires and it's important to talk about these within our relationships so everybody in this room has hopes dreams and desires i mean you have hopes you have dreams whenever all the way from being a little kid some of you you kind of grew up thinking about you know what it would be like whenever you got married you know many you ladies maybe you you kind of you dreamed about it It was kind of like hey i want to have this dream wedding and whenever you're a little girl maybe you dressed up as a bride you know maybe you did ken and barbie and you said hey this is what how it's going to be But you kind of dreamed, you had hopes and dreams of what your marriage would be like. And oftentimes, sometimes with a lady, it's more about the ceremony and the look and stuff. And so you have to be careful there that it's not about the ceremony. You know, I've I've shared this before. I've, I've seen people that would invest thousands and thousands of dollars in a ceremony that did not invest in the marriage. I know a young lady and a guy who spent a million dollars, their family spent a million dollars on a wedding that ended in divorce six months later. Nice ceremony. It got in the bridal magazines, but you know what? It didn't last. They didn't invest in the marriage. They didn't invest in the relationship. And so we, we have to be careful, but we have these hopes, dreams, and desires, and so we focus on those. And, and maybe for some of the guys, they have hopes, dreams, and desires, and theirs is not so much the ceremony. It's the honeymoon. Hey, that's what it's going to be like all the time. You know, and that's the hope. That's their dream. That's their desire. You know, and, the, and they think, hey, that's what it's going to be like. So we, kind of, we, we approach these relationships with that mentality, we think, this is what it's going to be for me. This is what it's going to be like for me. And so we have these, these, these hope streams and desires. It says these often come from what we've seen or heard or what we've experienced. And so our hope streams and desires are often shaped by the things that we have seen or experienced. Like for me, I think back to, you know, whenever I, I first got saved at the age of 19, you know, I, I wanted, I, I made a list of what I wanted in a wife. And, you know, and, and I, so I, I wrote out literally on a piece of paper and I, I had all these attributes and all these qualities and these these uh, these character traits that I wanted in a wife. And I began to pray over this. And there was times that I would be doing my quiet time. I would take that list out. I kept it in my wallet. I would take that list out and I would, I would unfold it and I would begin to pray down that. and Say, God, I want I want my wife to be a godly woman, you know, and, and I would I'd go down this list that I had. And it was a fairly lengthy list. And I remember praying over that and saying, hey, this is what I want for me, God. This is what I am praying for. This is what I'm asking for. This is what I'm believing you for. And so it was my list. And so I can remember, you know, looking down through that, whenever I met Laurie, I began to kind of look at my list and go, hmm, hey, man, she's... Yeah, and I began to check off the list here, you know, and I began to think, man, you know, Laurie has all these things and a whole lot more than what I ever prayed for. The only thing, she's blind, and I had Brunette on my list, you know, and I'm sitting there going, hey, man, you know, I, I guess it's the right one, you know, type deal, but... We have these, these hopes, dreams, and desires. Hey, this is what I want. I remember you know, talking, you know, saying, hey, Laurie, you know, hey, I want five kids. You know, I grew up in a home with three. She grew up in a home with two. And she's like, five? Are you sure? And I'm like, Hey, that's what I want. I want five kids. And some of y'all have done that. You've talked about, hey, how many kids do we have? Are we going to have? Do we, do we want to have kids? And you talk about your hopes, dreams, and desires. And, and maybe in that relationship, maybe some of you are just dating or maybe you're engaged, but you begin to say, hey, listen, I want to travel. I want to see the world. I want to go to foreign lands. I want to do whatever. Or maybe say, I mean, I don't want to do it. I want to live in a home up in the mountains. I want to live out in the country. I want to live in the city. And so you talk about, hey, what are these hopes and dreams? What do I want to do? And you share those with one another. And oftentimes you go, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we're on the same page. Until you get married. Right? And then all of a sudden you realize, wait, I thought we agreed on this. I thought we said, hey, this is what we're going to do. And it doesn't always work out the same. And so these often come from what we've seen or heard or what we experienced. Like for me, there was times whenever I would look at, there was a couple that meant I just loved how they treated each other and how they lived. And they were a godly couple that had an incredible ministry. And i was thinking, that's the kind of marriage I want. So that's what we do. We look around. And maybe for you, you know, it, you look back and you see something and you go, and that's what I want. Or you see a couple that is living for God or they love each other. And you think, that's what I want right there. So it's often affected by what we've seen or heard or what we've experienced. And then here's a statement that says, we're either trying to avoid something or recreate something. And so a lot of times in our, in our marriages and our relationships, we're trying, to, we're trying to create something. You know, uh, recreate maybe. Maybe we saw it in someone else's life. We want to recreate this. Hey, this is the way it was with my mom, with my dad. You know, my mom and my dad loved each other. That's what I want to recreate. Or maybe it's something you're trying to avoid. So like my mom and dad, man, they, they, just, they just lived in the same house. That's about it was arguing, there's fussing, there's fighting. I do not want that. And so we have this list of things that we don't want. We say, hey, you know what, we're not going to have alcohol because I grew up in a home with an alcoholic. We're not going to have this because, you know, I grew up in a home with this. Or, you know, hey, we're not going to do this and we're not going to do that. And so we have these things that we're going to avoid or are these things we're going to recreate. And so we, we, we kind of build these hopes and dreams and expectations based on what we've seen or heard and what we don't want and what we are trying to recreate, something we, something we saw somewhere else. And so we're either trying to avoid or recreate. And so what happens sometimes is we come into this relationship with these things in our minds. You know, And I can remember, you know, Laurie and I, one time, we, we, uh, we got into an argument, It's one of our first arguments, that first year of marriage. You might remember the first year of marriage. First year of marriage is tough because you're dying to self, you're giving space, you had been, always been at your best, but you would leave and go home. And so that first year of marriage, man, you're, you're having to work some things out, you're having to give and take. And so the first year of marriage can be tough. And so I remember Lori and I were, we were, you know, kind of in a disagreement and then we, and, and I got loud and she was going, you're raising your voice. I was like, that's what you do in an argument. You know, you argue, you raise your voice. And she was like, no, you don't either. And I was like, yeah, you do. Because I grew up in a house where I had seen everybody argue out loud yell scream you know holler whatever and, and so that's what i grew up in so that's what i was used to and so i think hey that's what you do we're going to argue we're we're not going to agree on this and you know was almost like hey who's going to win and so laurie she came from a home where her mom and dad never argued in front of her and her sister they would go back to the bedroom and they would talk it out and they would work it out so laurie never really learned conflict resolution and so we meant we're at a stalemate because i would get loud and she would clam up and we were like, alright, something's got to give. We've got to figure this out. And so I had to give, she had to give, and we had to work some things out. And so that happens. That, that's part of relationships, isn't it? Is, is we have to change. We have to say, God, change the way I think. Change what I've, I have been modeled or you know, I have learned or, or whatever I've seen. God, help me, to, help me to look into your Word for the truth. Help me to look into Scripture to find out how I'm supposed to treat my spouse, treat my wife, treat my husband, treat my fiancé. God, show me what, what you want. And so we have to be careful about those things. So oftentimes, like I said, it's arguing or something like that. I can remember one time, you know, we were we were going to uh, we, we were living in Fort Worth, Texas, and Laurie's mom and dad lived in Auburn. And So we left there one, one year for Christmas, and I drove from I drove from Fort Worth to Auburn. It was thirteen hours, and uh, and so we get there, and we're only there for just a little bit, and then we've got to drive on over to to Peachtree City to her aunt's house, and and so we get in there, and they they did Christmas a little bit different than we did. So they would. Everybody would kind of get around the room, and they would there'd be one gift would go, and they would give it to that one person, and then they would open it up, and everybody in the room would kind of ooh and all like, ooh, that's awesome! That that was so creative. Who man, where did you get that? You know, and and they would ooh and all about this one gift forever. It seemed like, and everybody in the room had to kind of comment about the gift type deal. And I'm sitting there going like, dude, are you kidding me? You know, and so so it would it would drag on for hours, and I'd be over there like, dude, I I don't know if I can take it anymore. You know, I mean, I've had all I can take. You know, and and Laurie would be like, just, you know, it's, it's all right. It's all right. And I'm like, no, it's not. This is killing me. And so, anyway, so we get through all of that. And I'm thinking, this is so different than the way we did Christmas. We would, you know, rip them open, you know, and, and we're like, dude, look what I got. You know, and you're excited and you're kind of showing it to everybody. And you're excited. And so then you rip it into the next one, you know, and, and then at the end, you have to say, How, you know, what did you get? So you had to find out. So, you know, both of them were different, so different. So we had to kind of come to, hey, how are we going to do it with our family? In our marriage, how is it going to be? And and maybe you guys have had to work through some things like that as well. Or maybe you had to figure, hey, are we going to my family for Christmas or to your family for Christmas? You know, you have to work through those things. But here's the thing, we, we bring, and so are we trying to recreate what your family did? Are we trying to recreate what my family did? And, you know, and then we get in the car. After we've done that forever, it seemed like, we get in the car and we're driving back and I'm like, dude, I am... I can't hardly keep my eyes open. I've been, I've been driving all day. And I said, hey, Lori, why don't you drive for a little bit? And she goes, my daddy always drove. And I'm like, I ain't your daddy, you know, number one. And uh, I said, I've been driving all day. I said, I'm, we're either pulling over and I'm sleeping or you're driving. And she was like, well, okay, well, I'll drive, whatever. And so she gets in and she begins to drive. And we had kind of had, had to work through that. And so I just want you guys to know that's part of relationships. You have to learn to give and take. And you've got to be willing to die to self. It's hard to do sometimes. And so we bring these hopes, these dreams, these expectations into the marriage because it's my hopes, dreams, my list that I've made out, that I'm praying for. You hear that? My, me, what I want. And so expectations, what are expectations? Expectations are the strong belief That something will happen or be the case in the future. And so some of you guys have brought expectations. And expectations are a little bit different than hopes, dreams, and desires because expectations are what you expect from somebody. And and so, you know, oftentimes we we wrestle with these expectations. Uh, Hey, you think, well, it's going to happen. We're going to get there. And and I I jokingly say this, you know, women often... Marry a guy hoping that they can change him. And a guy marries a woman hoping she'll never change. You know, that, that's kind of the mentality. That's how messed up we are, we, how different we are. Uh, you know, And so we have to be careful that we think, hey, well, I'm just going to change them. And what we do is we bring these expectations. They will get better. They will become more like me. They will think like I do. And so we have to be careful of those. So expectations, it says, attempting to recreate or avoid something from the past can, uh, transforms hopes, dreams, and desires into expectations. Hopes, dreams, and desires are positive things and exciting things, but expectations can feel like a weight has been put on you. Like for many men, I hear this more than anything else, I'll hear guys say, she expects me to be a spiritual leader. She expects me to be a spiritual leader. And dude, I don't know how. She expects me to lead our family spiritually. And man, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I didn't have a dad in my life that taught me how to be a spiritual leader. But that's what my wife is expecting. Or the wife will say, you know, hey, he expects me, you know, to do this. Or he expects us to have sex every night. You know, what, you know, what is that about, you know? And so here's the thing is you, you bring in these expectations and they feel like a burden or a rock or a, a homework assignment. And you feel like, man, I don't know if I can live up to his expectations. I don't know if I can live up to her expectations. Instead, instead of them being hopes, dreams, and desires, they become a weight that we're toting around. And we're having to tote this weight around. And so attempting to recreate something that mom and dad did, or trying to recreate something that someone else did, and you're saying, hey, listen, hey, you see how they did it, you see how they did it. Here, you need to recreate this for me. You need to recreate this so that I'm happy. You need to recreate this so that, you know what, everything is good here in the house. And so it becomes a burden to them. And so, Let's look at a couple things here when expectations collide. When expectations collide, and this will happen. So what happens when expectations collide? We have our set of expectations over here. She has her set of expectations over here. And and something's got to give. And so whenever they collide, what happens is there's a couple of things that can happen. Number one, we leave. We can't meet their expectations. They can't meet my expectations. So we just leave. We separate. We divorce. We break up. And I know you guys know this, but most of the marriages in America, more than half end in divorce. In the church, it's the same way. More than half of the marriages that come together and say, we promise until death separates us that we will, we will serve one another, we will bless one another, we will be there for one another, we will honor one another, ends in divorce. And oftentimes it's because we brought these expectations in and you're not meeting my expectations. Or I can't live up to your expectations. And so you just check out. You leave. You move. You move on. And so, so we either we, we leave, or here's another one, we win. In other words, somebody has to has to lose. And, and so I don't, anybody, anybody here like to lose? Anybody like to lose? Right, nobody likes to lose? Because that's a loser mentality, right? Alright, so nobody likes to lose. Most people like to win. I like to win. You know, we we joke about it. we can't even really play like board games at our house or basketball at our house because everybody in my family likes to win and it gets so competitive. You know, that there oftentimes it's a scrap or then you walking away, walking off with an attitude like you cheated, you know, whatever. And so, we have to be careful with that. So none of us like to lose and and and, and nobody I think really wants to lose, especially in a relationship. I mean, who wants to be... Hey, I'm the loser in the relationship. I had to give up everything. I had to I had to bow down. I had to cower to every expectation. But they didn't give in, so I'm the loser. That's how you feel. And so we went. So that, and let me just say this. There's four... And this is not in your notes. You can jot this out to the side. There's four elements of a dysfunctional relationship. Four elements of a dysfunctional relationship. This will be... You can just write, jot this out to the side. And, and, it's, and it's convince. It's convince, convict, control, and coerce. So convince is what we will do is we'll say... Hey, listen, what you need to understand is, you know, your your expectations or your hopes, dreams, and desires, they're really not that good. And they're really not that, that's not how people do things. I don't know if you know this, but that's not how a marriage is supposed to operate. So you need to change yours and be like me. So you're trying to convince them that they're wrong and that you're right. And some of you do this. I mean, you say, hey, listen, you know, honey, I know, I know you were raised in that, but we're not going to do that. Hey, honey, I know that you think that that may be the right way, but I'm just telling you, you're wrong. And so you begin to convince them, and and if you want a recipe for disaster in a relationship, you follow these right here. You constantly convince them that they're wrong. And here's the other thing: you convict them. You you make them feel guilty for even wanting to do what they want to do. Why would you even think that that's okay? Why would you even think that that's all right? And so you make them feel guilty. That you you belittle them, you shame them, you embarrass them, and say, "Look, I mean, look at your mom and dad. Do you really want to be like your mom and dad? Do you really want to live like that?" I mean, they can't hardly pay their bills. Do you really want to live like that? And so, what you do is you shame and you belittle. I'm talking about a recipe for disaster. You control. You know, you can. You, you're the one large and in charge. I mean, you want to be in control. You're a control freak, and we know in a room this size, there's control freaks here. You know, and so you want to, everything to be your way, and you're going to control everything. And you're going to control the calendar. Hey, we're not going to your mom and dad's this year. We're going to my mom and dad's. We're not going to do this. We're going to do this because I've already decided we can't afford to do that. We're not going to do that. And so you're the control freak. You just want to tell everybody, hey, this is how it's going to be. And the other person has to lose because you're going to win. And the other one you coerce or either you manipulate. Well, I can just tell you this. If we do that, this is the way it's going to be. This is how it's going to be around here. You, you decide, I'm going to set the temperature around here real quick. And I'm just telling you, those are, those are ingredients for disaster in a relationship. And if that's where you're at, you might want to start praying right now. Say, God, convict me. Bring conviction because if that's how I'm leading this relationship, I don't want to live that way. God, I want to be different. And so that, that those, those four were not in your notes, but the, the next one is here. We conform. We Either we leave, we, we check out, we win. In other words, we, we, everything's you know good for us because we're winning. Or either we conform. And you conform means you just kind of give up who you are. You give up your hopes, your dreams, your desires for this other person. And there's no reciprocation there. There's nothing that takes place. We just kind of give up. And we kind of conform. And, I, and many of us have met people like this. We'll go, dude, what happened to Joe? Man, Joe used to be this kind of guy. He was fun. He was whatever. Dude, man, what in the world? And we'll sit there and we'll wonder what happened to his him, his personality. What happened to Susie? I mean, Susie used to be this guy. She was fun. She was bubbly. She was... Now it's like, men. they're not even the same person because they've had to conform to someone else's goals, dreams, desires. And we, we think back to them in high school. Or we think back to them in college, and they don't even seem like the same person. They've taken on a different identity, and they've conformed. And maybe the one who wins feels like, hey, it's a win. It's a win. And I'm telling you, it's not. And so we know friends like that. You know, we often say, you know, dude, you know, he can't do anything. He lives on eggshells because of his wife. She can't do anything. She lives on eggshells because of her husband. And they have to conform to whatever the other spouse has decided. Here's the, the last one. We compromise. Maybe we don't completely conform, but we compromise. We'll say, all right, well, here's the deal. We'll compromise. If, we're, if, if you do that, then this is what I do. If you spend this amount, then I'm spending this amount. Well, hey, you know what? And, and, and we start keeping score. Well, you know, I just want you to remember. Do you remember what I got you for, for uh, Father's Day? Then you, you need to take care of me for Mother's Day. Hey, do you remember what I did for our anniversary? You know, in other words, it's a keeping score. And some of you can be guilty of this. We, we start keeping score like, hey, well, you know, you remember what I did? Do you remember what I had to give up? Do you remember where I had to go with you last year? you remember I had to go to your family reunion? Do you remember that? So what So what do you owe me now? What are you going to do for me? And so what happens is a lot of times that's what we do is we begin to compromise. And, and, and we, we just say, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to keep score. And you're always on eggshells because you feel like, hey, are they getting ahead? Are they winning? Have they got more than me now? Am I behind in this competition? And so what we ought to do is this. We ought to live with an attitude of gratitude. You guys have heard that before. Living with an attitude of gratitude. And, and so we should be, should be gracious to one another. Loving towards one another. Uh, you know, caring for one another. Let me go back and read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 one more time. It says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had to get the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such a faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be Nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Now, look at this one. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, it does not demand its own way. Let's pause there for a second. It does not demand its own way. I want you to meet my dreams my hopes, my goals, my list. I want it to be about me. And too often that's the way we approach our relationships. Will they fulfill all that I dreamed about? Will they help me get what I want? But what it says here is love love does not do that. Love is patient and love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice and rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And so, living with an attitude of gratitude meant we begin to bless, die to self, bless others, die to self, serve others. And, and this next statement it says we rarely express gratitude for what we've come to expect. And so it's kind of like if you go to a restaurant and you have they bring you your food and that's about it. I mean, they pretty much just bring the food. And so we would say, all right, hey, that's what they're supposed to do, right? So that's kind of the expectation. And I don't know about you guys, but you know for years, you know, a tip was 10%. And, that, you know, so, and it could go down from there, but pretty much a tip was 10%. Well, now they bring you the receipt and it says, hey, 10% is this amount. is this amount, 18% is this amount, 20% is this amount. So in other words, it's an encouragement to give more than 10%. And we know, you know, they don't pay them a whole lot per per hour or whatever to serve. But here's the mentality that we often have is we we expect them to bring the food to the table. We expect them to at least bring our drink. And whenever they don't, we begin to say, hey, listen, let's lower this down because they are not meeting our expectations. So how gracious we are is affected by how whether or not they meet our expectations. Would you all agree with that? That's kind of how we work. And if they're really good, like if they if they exceed our expectations and we go, "Man, that is an incredible waiter or waitress," we will often say, "I'm going to show more gratitude. I'm going to be more gracious in my tip. I'm going to give more." And so that's what we do. But here look at look, read this again. We rarely express gratitude for what we've come to expect. So let's let's transfer that to our, our relationship at home, our marriage. So what we do is we you know we we rarely show gratitude for the things that we expect, and so often I say, so you never tell me thank you for washing your clothes. You never tell me thank you for doing this." And I go, "That's your job, isn't it? You never tell me thank you for cutting grass. You never tell me thank you for bringing a paycheck home and going to work. That's your job, isn't it? Because in other words, hey, that's what I expect. Well, you never you never do this. You never. Do, in, in other words, what we do is we rarely express gratitude for what we expect. So if our expectations are here. You know, And they don't feel like they can live up to those expectations. They never feel like, you know what, hey, they don't really love me. They expect too much of me. And so the ex- expectations can get in the way of expressing gratitude and showing love. And so, so here's the question I, would, I think we need to ask, is what do they owe me? What do they owe you? And so what we do is we say, what, do, what does our spouse owe me? And if it's all about, hey, they need to meet my expectations... They owe me this. They owe me that. That's not the way that Jesus modeled for us. Jesus modeled that we die to self and that we seek to serve others. That we, we seek to honor others. We, we do everything we can to honor God, to live for God, but we seek to honor the people around us. And so, so what do they owe you? And I would just say they don't owe you anything. Now, you may have been raised differently. You might think, well, you, I disagree with that, Mike. I think they owe—they no, don't owe you anything. And, and, and let's kind of keep moving. Expectations remove the margin necessary for love to be recognized or appreciated. We just got through talking about margin. Margin is the cushion, or the buffer, or the or the safety zone, if you will. And so here we we look at that and we say, all right. So whenever expectations are here, and it's all about expectations, then what happens is this burden becomes so much, and we are expecting them to do this this is your job, this is your job as a wife, this is your job as a husband, this is your job, then all of a sudden we don't see the need to show gratitude and thankfulness and appreciation and honor. And we don't do that because we feel like, hey, that's what you're supposed to do. But it's a burden for them. Look at what happy couples know here. And I think this is a great statement. What happy couples know is they owe each other everything but they aren't owed anything. So in other words, I owe everything to my wife. I, As a follower of Christ, I owe it to her to to serve her, to bless her, to honor her. I don't know if you realize this, but as a follower of Christ, my Lord, my Savior, got down and washed the feet of the disciples. He didn't owe them that. He didn't owe them, but He chose to serve them. And so I owe them, out of out of reverence for Christ, I choose to... Honor my wife. Out of reverence for Christ, I choose to submit and serve her any way I can. And, and here's the thing. Is, whenever we do that, this is the crazy thing about Christianity. Whenever I die to self and I say, God, I want I to die to what I want and what I desire. And God, I want to honor you with my life. I want to honor you with my thinking. I want to honor you with my actions. And God, I want you to be glorified. And God, I want to serve others and I want to honor them. He says, that I'll meet your needs. Whenever I die to me and I die to self... And I begin to serve others, God meets our needs. But too often, our mentality is just the opposite of that. We're constantly trying to get people to say, hey, listen, these are my needs. We constantly tell our spouse, hey, this is what I need you to do. This is what I want you to do. This is what I, I, I need. So what we do is we get into this. We're, all, we're constantly trying to point them to our needs. And what Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I want you to look at their needs. I want you to look at their dreams, their hopes, their desires. I want you to serve them. And, and so, look at this passage here out of Ephesians 5, 1-2. It says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. See, too often what we do is we do things in hopes that someone will do something for us. We, we scratch someone's back. We hope they'll scratch our back. We, we do something for someone else hoping they will do something for us. That's, that's the selfish mentality. And, and I know sometimes we say, well, you know, I'm just doing it to, just to be a blessing. But in the back of our mind, we may be going, I hope they bless me. I hope there's a return on this. Hey, baby, I washed your car. Hey, baby, I did this. Hey, baby, I did that. And then we kind of hope, hey, what's going what's to be the reciprocation? What's going to be the return on that? What's the return on investment? And so we have to be careful that we're not manipulating. Because if we go back up there, convince, convict, control, coerce, manipulate. We're not manipulating the relationship, are we? Are you guilty of manipulating the relationship? Are you guilty of re- manipulating your spouse? Are you guilty of trying to work things to your favor? Are you guilty of that? I think everybody in this room would have to say yes at times. Yes, I do. Because I'm selfish and I'm greedy and I, I make it about me. We bring our expectations and they feel like a burden. I can remember one time Lori and I were, we were having a conversation. And I was talking about some of the, the things that I, I felt like I, you know, needed to happen. She goes, your expectations are way too high. I was like, I disagree. And we sat there and we argued about that. But looking back, she's saying, hey, listen, your expectations are like a weight that I'm trying to tote around, and they're too much for me. And instead of going, you know what, you're right. You know, it's not that, hey, I'm going to lower my expectations, but, hey, how can I minister to you? should have been my response, but it was instead it was like, hey, listen, you're wrong, I'm right. And so that maybe your spouse has told you that, it's, hey, listen, your expectations are way too high. And we go, no, they're not. That's what everybody else does. You know, and so we begin to defend our expectations rather than go, you know what, maybe you're right. And, and I want to ask you to forgive me. What can I do to minister to you? And so here again, it says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. When we seek to serve those around us, especially our spouse, God will meet our needs. It's when we try to manipulate or work things around us so that our needs are met that God says, I won't allow it. So here's, here's what happy couples know, this last statement. We'll talk more about this next week. It's a submission competition. We're going to talk about that. It's a submission competition. You might say, well, Mike, I thought you said it wasn't, about, it wasn't a competition. It wasn't about winning or losing. But it's seeking to serve one another in such a way that, you know what? You're out. You're, you're almost seeking to outserve one another. What happy couples know is, you know what? Whenever we die to self and we literally seek to serve one another, our needs will be met. Happy couples know that. And there's some of you in this room that are going, you know, I know some couples like that. Man, they they are selfless. They they die. they constantly are giving, 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 and they have a smile on their face all the time. They're always looking for ways to bless each other. And you know what? And they, they have the they have the best marriage. Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. But you know what? They had the best marriage. So it is a submission com- competition. And we'll dig into that next week. So here's some next steps that maybe you could take today. And, and I, would, I would encourage you, especially with this first one, to really weigh it out. To take an honest look at my relationships. So the, maybe the step for you today is you say, you know what? I'm going to take an honest look at my relationships. And maybe we, we, we say, God, show me the condition of my marriage. Show me... The condition of my relationships. Maybe you're maybe you're engaged. Maybe you got a fiance. God, show me the condition of this relationship. Maybe you're dating someone. You're not even engaged yet, but you're going. You know what? God, show me the condition of this relationship. And I think whenever we ask God, God, will you will you reveal to me? Will you show me? Help me to take an honest look at my my relationships. Am I manipulative? God, I don't want to be that way. God, am I self-centered? Am I self-seeking? God, I don't want to be that way. Am I always trying to work things to my advantage? God, I don't want to be that way. But be willing to take an honest look at our relationships. And here's the second thing. To make the decision to die to self. To make the decision. And here's the thing. It's a choice. And I'm just telling you, it is day by day. It is moment by moment. The Bible says that we are to take up our cross daily daily. And literally say, God, help me to crucify this flesh. Let it not be about me today. Let it be about you, about your kingdom, about your glory, about your honor. God, help it to be about the people that you have put in my life that I have the privilege to serve and to honor and to bless. God, crucify me. Crucify this flesh so that it's not about me. But here's the thing. It has to be your choice day in, day out. That you say, God, I want to die to self. Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to honor you with my life. God help me to be willing to sacrifice. In other words, God help me to die to the things so that other people might flourish, that might be all that they can be. And then here's the last one. There may be some of you in this room that you've never established this relationship, but today you say, "You know what? Today I want to begin a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ." Maybe you've been here. Maybe you've been here for a few weeks. You've been listening to this, and you've heard me talk about this. But let me tell you, that relationship affects every other relationship. I, I, I'll see people say, hey man, my daughter gave her life to Christ. Or my son gave his life to Christ. I say, most important decision ever made. It's the most important decision in their life. Because it will affect every other relationship. It'll affect their marriage one day. It'll affect their relationship with their kids. It'll affect everything. And maybe you're in here today and you go, man, my, my marriage is on the rocks. My marriage is a struggle I don't know if we're going to make it. And I'll be honest with you, I am ready to leave. I am ready to check out. I am ready to go. And maybe God's saying to you, "Say, listen, give me a chance. Allow me into your life. Allow me into your marriage. Allow me into your heart. The Bible says He stands at the door and He knocks. And if you will invite Him in, He will come in, He will sit down, He will do life with you. He will change you. And that's the thing, our mind has to change how we some of what we have seen has been dysfunctional. I grew up in dysfunction junction. But some of what I saw meant I was like, you know, I don't want that. So God has had to change how I think about relationships and marriage and things like that from what I saw growing up. God can change the way that we think. You know, Romans twelve is clear about that. Be transformed. Let the renewing of your mind. And maybe maybe we need to allow God change the way I think. I want to be different. So maybe today for you it's to begin a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and you just respond as God leads you to respond. But if you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, you've never accepted Jesus, you've never surrendered your life to who He is, I want to give you that opportunity. And just right where you're at, just say, Jesus, that's me. Pastor Mike is talking to me right now. Jesus, I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my life. And Jesus, I'm confessing to you, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have lied, I have cheated, I have done wrong. And Jesus, I am confessing that to you. And I'm asking you, Jesus, if you will, to forgive me. And the Bible says that He will forgive us. And so Jesus, I'm asking you to change me. Help me. I want to quit living the way I've been living, I want to live for you. That's repentance. And so if you confess your sins and you repent of your sins, Jesus will accept you. He will literally walk into your life. He will live within your heart. He'll give you guidance and direction. He'll give you a new heart. There's a lot of people in this room they have got a beat-up heart, a broken heart. He'll give you a new one. If you, if, if that's you, just say, Mike, that's me. I just want you to raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to accept Jesus. I want Jesus to live in me. I want Him to live through me. Anybody in the room, just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. Anybody. I see your hand. Anybody else? Just raise it raise high. Just say, Mike, that's me. If you just raise your hand, I want to lead you through a simple prayer. And this is it. Just say, Jesus, I have sinned. I have messed up. I have blown it. And so, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. With all the faith that I have, I put my faith in you. And I trust you to save me. I trust you to change me. And let that be your prayer. Change me from the inside out. With all the faith that I have, that is my prayer. Let that be your decision. There may be many of you in this room that you go, Mike, I'm in a a relationship and I've been guilty of holding and putting too many expectations on my spouse or my fiance or whoever I'm in a relationship with. Just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I'm guilty of putting expectations on people, putting expectations that are unrealistic. Just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I I have been guilty of that. We wrestle with it, don't we? You put them down. Hands everywhere. What if we were to say, you know what, it's not about expectations anymore. It's about me serving and seeking to serve my spouse. It's about me seeking to serve my husband, my wife. It's about seeking to serve them in such a way that honors God and glorifies God. And you know what, and I'm trusting God that He'll meet the needs that I have. I want to pray for all of you that raised your hand. Father, I pray that you would Father, hear the hearts in this room. I know you do. You look into the heart. You know every heart. You know every detail. You know every thought. And so, God, I pray right now, I pray that you would just begin to heal some of these relationships. I pray for the one that raised his hand, God, that said he wanted a relationship with you. God, I pray that he would put his faith in you, that he would trust you today completely. Lord, I pray for the the marriages that are in this room that are on the rocks, that some are ready to walk away. God, I pray that they would put their hope in you. God, I pray they would be willing to try what your plan is, what your pattern is. God, they would quit chasing after what the world says or even what they've seen or what they've heard here in this world that is not of you. But, God, they would look into the Scriptures and they would want to live like Jesus did. They would want to love like Jesus did. And so, God, I pray that you begin to heal marriages in this room even right now. And, God, I pray for the, the weeks ahead, God, as we continue to work through this series, God, that you would begin to work on each of us and show us what we need to die to. God, I pray that you'd start with me. God, help me to be a husband who loves his wife with unconditional love. God, show me how to serve Laurie. Show me how to be a blessing to her. God, show me how to lead our family and lead it well. But God, I pray that you would begin to teach me throughout this series, God, teach me each week how to love my wife as you love the church. In Jesus' name, amen.